0: And answers. In this generation, homosexuality is becoming more and more common. We all either have family members, friends, or co-workers that fall into this category. So how do we as Christians respond when told that this is the new normal? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, we will continue on with Pat's interview with his guest, Jeff Johnston, from Focus on the Family, as they discuss how to understand same-sex attractions. The youth
1: pastor invited me to a conference, and the conference was called Hope and Healing for the homosexual and my heart kind of sank because i thought oh my goodness he knows he knows what i'm struggling with and and that wasn't true at all but it was at that conference that I heard, and and I had grown up in the church, but it was at that conference that I heard for the very first time that there were people who had left homosexuality, and that for me there might be some reasons why I had same-sex attractions, and I, I began to put some of those things together, things like the fact that some of my earliest memories when I was four and five and six years old are being sexual with other young boys. And the fact that I didn't really connect with boys as I was growing up, but I was more connected to girls and more interested in what they were interested in. So I didn't have a strong peer group connection. And also that I had, to some degree, disconnected from my own father and had rejected some of the things about him that I, I didn't like, qualities that I didn't want to have, or things that I saw that I didn't like, and I was much more connected to my mom, and I began to see how those things had shaped my thinking along with my own decisions that I'd made, the struggles with pornography, and it was at that time, right after that conference, that I started to get some help for this issue. I started to see a Christian counselor, and I started Joined a support group for men and women who were leaving homosexuality, who didn't want to define themselves by their same sex attractions, who didn't want to act on those same sex attractions. We wanted to follow God's teaching. And it was actually a couple years after that that I got involved with my first adult relationships with other guys that were sexual. And I thought, what am I doing? I, I know all this stuff about. You know what God says and the struggle with this, and why am I involved with this guy? And then that relationship ended, and I started doing some kind of scary things in the 80s where I was having sex with guys that I just met and doing things that weren't safe or, or smart. I reached a point where I was really torn and felt really divided, but I knew I had to make a decision. Was I going to follow Christ? or was I going to go and identify as gay and live that way? And it was at that point in my life that I really made a strong decision that I was going to follow Jesus even if my same-sex attractions never went away. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to do it a little differently this time. I still went to counseling and I still went to a support group, but what I did differently was I joined a church that had a strong class of people in their 20s and 30s, And I said, this issue is about my relationship with men and problems I have um, connecting with men in deep ways that aren't sexual. So I thought, I'm going to pursue healthy relationships in my church group. And it was really through my church that a lot of my healing came. There were men in the church who mentored me. There were some men that I was involved in an accountability group with. We met together every week, and it, I wasn't like their project. They weren't you know, trying to fix me. It was a mutual thing where we were all trying to grow in Christ and trying to help each other grow in Christ. And it was through that process of understanding the truth but also learning how to receive love from people and then how to love other people in healthy ways that God began transforming me and it was through practicing some of the basic spiritual disciplines that God began to change my life and and we can't promise people as Christians we can't promise you that you know God's going to change you from gay to straight that's not really what he cares about most what he wants is a relationship with you. He wants you to follow him, and he wants to be with you. And then transformation happens in that process. For some of us, it's a life—well, for all of us, it's a lifelong transforming process. And, and God, you know, he didn't want to just take care of the homosexuality. He wanted to take care of my anger and my bitterness and my dishonesty and my unforgiveness, all those things that were deep in my heart. And I'd spent so much time focusing on the homosexual stuff that I wasn't really aware of all these other sins, but he began to bring forgiveness and life to many, many areas of my life. And it was at that time that I met my wife, and we went through rather a rocky dating relationship, but we've been married over 20 years now, and as you mentioned early in the broadcast, we've got three boys. And, you know, getting married doesn't prove that I'm healed, or it doesn't heal somebody, but it does show, it it is a demonstration that God has brought about some transformation in my life, and He's given me some wonderful gifts in my wife and children.
2: You know, Jeff, just because you come to Christ doesn't mean those urges or those passions go away. You know, what what did you do in those times when you really struggled, you know, as a Disciple of Christ who wanted to change. What'd you do in those moments where you were really struggling going back to the old life?
1: Sometimes I did go back. I would look at pornography or engage in fantasy and, and masturbation, and there were a lot, a lot of failures. But sometimes I would do more healthy things. I would call a friend, and we would just get together and hang out or I would confess to my friends who were part of my accountability group, you know, here's what I'm struggling with, and here's what's going on. I would talk to my counselor about it sometimes. Sometimes I would just turn to other activities and go, you know, I'm not going to let this struggle define me. I'm going to go do some things that I know are healthy and good for me right now. So it was really a lot of different things that God used to change me and transform me and renew me as i was walking out of this
2: yeah it sounds like you know it's not something we can do all alone just me and god we we need uh, not only god and his word but the the entire body of christ to help us walk through some of these very tough issues
1: uh, you are so right i had tried for so many years all alone to deal with this issue and i thought you know It's funny, when I started the whole recovery process, I thought, six weeks, and then I'm done, and I'll just get on with my life. And God had to show me this is a process that's going to be lifelong of me healing you and transforming you and revealing sin and then forgiving it and helping you to receive my love in deeper and deeper ways. And I I needed the whole body of Christ with me as I was walking through this.
2: Well, you know, Jeff, uh, one of the things that I hear from my friends in the gay community is that they say, well, I'm at peace with who I am and and my lifestyle. I'm fine with it. Is there a sense, you know, in the gay community, you know, amongst many that something's not right here? Is there that sense or are many, you know, when they say, I'm at total peace with this, I'm fine with who I am. Should we take that at face value or is there something in the back that's saying "Uh, something's not right here?
1: You know, there are a lot of people who go into homosexuality and go on to identify as gay or lesbian who grew up in Christian homes. They grew up in churches, and some of them have walked away from their faith. Some of them, it's still there in the background, and God's not really letting go of them. He is letting them make choices, you know, just like this father of the prodigal son let his son make some really dumb, bad choices, and God lets us do that, too, there is a point for many of us where we kind of bottom out, and we say, this isn't working, and I've tried this for a long time, and it's not right. And so sometimes we just wait for that to happen with our friends. We wait for them to bottom out. We wait for God to break through in some way, and we pray for them during this time period that God will intervene and that they'll hit that bottom sooner, rather than later and in a way that's not going to be too destructive.
2: Yes. Now, Jeff, how do we talk to our children about homosexuality? You talked about this is now being taught in our public schools. They're being bombarded by it with the media. And they probably have friends who may have two fathers or two mothers. How do we talk to our children about this issue?
1: You're right. This has become part of every aspect of life. You know, everything from a graham crackers commercial to what you're taught in school um, seems to be pushing homosexuality. I don't think you start with your kids by talking about homosexuality, though. I think what you start with is teaching them the big picture of our story with God, that God created, created the world, that he loves the world, and he made all these good things, and yet the world is broken because of sin, and people are broken because of sin. So we talk about creation, and we talk about the fall, and how that affects us, and how each of us is born with original sin in us. And that causes us to make bad choices, but we're still responsible for those choices. But we also talk about how God brings redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus the Father wants to redeem the whole world. He wants to redeem all of it and remake it all and bring newness to it all. So we talk about redemption with our kids and what that looks like, and then we talk about our future time in heaven with Christ. So we give kids the big story of creation and fall and redemption and then our future time in heaven with Christ, but we also teach them about God's design for sex and sexuality and what He wanted for families and for marriage and for life, and that it's best for kids to grow up with a mom and a dad and and we want what's best for children so you start from that framework that big picture framework and God's designed for sexuality and then as your kid's these things on TV, or as they experience them, or as they ask questions, you talk to them about it and you talk to them about how sin causes people to deviate from God's design for sexuality. You know, we, we have another great resource about this on our website at focusonthefamily.com. It's actually called Talking to Your Children About Homosexuality, and you can just Google it there or search for it on the website, but we've got ideas for doing this at different ages. You know, you don't tell a five-year-old the same thing about homosexuality as you would tell a 15-year-old. So you talk about it differently. And, and some of the questions you've been asking, like are people born gay or shouldn't they have this this right? We've got questions and answers for parents uh, for things
2: like that on the website as well. So, you know, Jeff, let's just pretend now, you know, one of your kids uh, says about elementary age she comes home and says, you know, Daddy, Johnny has two moms. Why is that? What would you say to if he asked that kind of question?
1: Well, if he's in elementary school, hopefully by that time I've talked about the big picture, about creation and fall. And so I would talk about, at that point, I might talk about God's design for marriage. You know, John, God made marriage to be between a man and a woman. And he intended it to be for a lifetime. But because of sin in the world, sometimes people get divorced. Sometimes people have children without getting married. And sometimes two women will decide that they want to get married and have a child. And it's because of sin in the world. And and not everyone's going to agree with us, Johnny, on our view on these things. So we don't need to go and argue with them about it but we can pray for them and we can love them and you can love your friend and we can pray too for your friend because he's missing out on having a dad and you've been so blessed to have a father in your life and and god wants all kids to have fathers and and the good news is that god can bring healing and he can bring salvation to your friend and his family too and so I would keep it very simple. I wouldn't go into the sexuality or the root issues or things like that. But I would focus on, at that point, I think I would focus on sin and redemption, God's plan of redemption. And then how we get to be part of that by talking to people about Jesus and talking to people about Father God.
2: Yeah, you know, that that's great advice there. Well, I hope I asked this question correctly. How far in the relationship would you let your son you know, have, you know, with another child who has gay parents? I mean, would you let your son in a sleepover or, I mean, just how far in the relationship would you allow your son to have with someone of, with gay parents?
1: Well, I don't think I would treat this any differently than any other relationships my kids have. Whether or not I let them go over to somebody's house is going to depend on what I know about the parents and their life and the brothers and sisters and who's going to be there and and about my kids too. My older son probably did things at an earlier age than his younger brothers, the his twin brothers. And so some of it depends on the temperament and the character of my kids as well. I'd be pretty cautious about sleepovers in elementary school and younger unless I really, really knew the family and trusted them. And so I wouldn't hold them to a different standard than I would hold anyone else. I would would keep the same standards that I had for for all my kids for sleepovers and for building relationships. And I would want to make sure that I'm part of their life, that I'm asking questions and that they feel free and open to talk with me about different issues.
2: You know, Jeff, speaking about, you know, gay parents, how does that affect children in gay homes with two moms or two dads? A lot of people are saying, oh, these kids come out normal, or it really doesn't affect them having two moms or two dads. Uh, Does it affect the children?
1: Same-sex parenting is such a recent radical experiment that there's not tons of social research on this. But there is a lot of social research on what kids need growing up and on the best design for families. And oddly enough, the best design is what we Christians believe, that children do best when they're raised by a married mother and father. They do best in education, financially, socially, with regard to crime and substance abuse and their sexuality in almost every area of life kids do best when they're raised by a mother and father now you know that doesn't mean moms and dads are perfect or that it's always going to work out well but we're talking about social research here so we're talking about in general that kids do best in those circumstances and part of the reason for that is that men and women are different and kids learn about men by watching their dad and by interacting with him and by watching their dad interact with their mom. And then they learn about women by watching their mom and interacting with her and watching her interact with their dad and then eventually with other women and other men around them. So kids need the modeling and the interaction of both a man and a woman. Uh, We know that men and women are different and they parent differently. And so fathers and mothers bring different things to parenting, and kids need both of those. Now, having said all that, there is some recent research. There's more studies coming out that are showing that it's not the best when kids have two dads or two moms, that there are some harms. Some of those kids have greater depression some of them experiment sexually or with drugs, some of them have problems at school. So some of those problems that come when we deviate from God's design, that's beginning to come out in the social research. Now, of course, there's a lot of pushback against that research from the LGBT community and from their allies. But the truth, I think, eventually will out that It's still true that children do best with a a married mom and dad, and same-sex parenting denies kids either a mother or a father. So there's a pretty big gap in kids' life when they have same-sex parents. They're missing
2: either a mom or a dad. Yes, you know, God created us. uh, Genesis accounts as God created them in his image, male and female, and so it's man and woman that's creating God's image, and the institution of marriage was meant for a man and a woman, and so it's extremely important to have that interaction and that parenting of both man and woman in a child's life to really make a whole and really healthy child is what you're saying, isn't that?
1: Yeah, the kids do best when they have a married mom and dad, and so Anything that deviates from that, whether it's a single mom bringing up a child or a single dad or divorce or living together or same-sex parents, any of those are going to be detrimental to kids in some ways. Now, now again, the good news is God can bring healing and life to that, but that doesn't mean that there's, a, there's still a pretty big gap in a child's life when he's miss, missing a mother or a father.
2: All right, Jeff, you know, in our culture, many of us are being silenced if we speak out against the gay lifestyle or present our position that may be in contrast to the homosexual lifestyle. I mean, you look at guys like Tony Dungy, former Super Bowl winning coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Broussard of ESPN, a basketball analyst, Miss California and others were torched by the media when expressing their position on homosexuality. You know, how can we best address the issue in public in a way that we're going to be heard and not shut down or labeled bigots or racist?
1: That is a very difficult question. And to be honest with you, at this point, I think we should expect pushback when we speak out on these issues. We've reached a point in our culture where if you're the one talking about God's design for sexuality or how children need a mom and a dad or how God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman, you will be castigated as a a bigot and a homophobe. You'll be Castigated as a bigot and a homophobe and a hater. So I think the first thing is Christians should expect this now. We should expect, and it doesn't mean we go around asking for it or looking for it. You know, I'm not looking for persecution, but I know that when I speak out or write on this issue, sometimes people are going to push back against me and I may be called things I don't like. And Christians have lost jobs and businesses because of this issue and because our redefinition of marriage and because of laws that have elevated sexuality to the same level as freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Secondly though, I think Christians can continue to push. We still have freedom in the public square. So while we have that freedom, I think we should continue to push to get out our message. That God loves you. And yes, this world is broken, but He's made provision for that brokenness. And yes, people are sinful, but He has made a way to deal with sin that the world doesn't have. So we continue to give our message. A couple of tips on that that we try to give people. We want people to speak the truth in love on this issue, to do it kindly and lovingly. We don't want to lead with judgment. That's not our job. And we want to speak truthfully about this issue. Sometimes Christians can make over-the-top statements about homosexuality or those who have embraced the gay identity, and that's not necessarily very scriptural, so we want to speak honestly and lovingly and kindly on this issue and expect pushback. And one of the things that we're trying to do here at Focus on the Family is, in some ways, we're trying to prepare people and the next generation To expect criticism and attack on this issue and to say, hey, we don't know how long we'll have freedom on it, but we're going to speak out as long as we can.
2: That's great advice. You've been listening to our interview with Jeff Johnston, who works as an issues analyst for Focus on the Family, speaking on these issues of marriage, homosexuality, and gender. Well, Jeff, as we bring things to a close, where can people find more information on the things we talked about in these last couple of days?
1: Well, We have a lot of resources at Focus on the Family. Many of these are free. They're articles and free downloadable resources. The best place to go would be to go to focusonthefamily.com and click on the Social Issues tab. And there you can find articles on marriage and sexuality and life issues, all these issues, religious freedom, issues related to the culture. And you can find some of our longer resources there as well on that page. So if you go to focusonthefamily.com backslash social issues, you can find a lot of resources related to sexuality, homosexuality, and family.
2: Yes, fantastic. I'm on that site all the time. They're written at a level you can use in the academic world, but also it's easy enough to understand that you can, in the popular level, you can also use that. So it's a fantastic and great resource for you. Well, Jeff, thanks for being with us. We look forward to hearing from you again on this issue.
1: Pat, thank you. Thank you for having me on the broadcast.
0: Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and also Pat's books. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers.